0: Stripped down to my skin and my bones. I love huskies, but I feel like a wolf.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Budding Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe, here with Dave as usual. And today we have a really interesting interview. It's uh, actually not with a specific cannabis company. It's with Ernst & Young. It's with Ashley Chu, who works at Ernst & Young. She's their cannabis strategic growth and risk leader. Um, So she's going to talk to us a bit about what Ernst & Young is getting involved with in the cannabis sector. Ashley, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: It's our pleasure. So please tell us a bit about what you do for Ernst & Young and how it relates to cannabis.
0: Yeah, of course. So um, at EY, we've uh, decided to really focus on the sector. And I think I can bucket what we do in three main Parts. One would be really helping licensed producers in Canada with corporate governance, designing business processes, uh, policies and procedures, and helping them with structure so that they have uh, a foundation to really build their business on and then become eligible for listing on the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. Um, we also do a lot of strategic M&A, working with Fortune 500 companies in adjacent industries. So, you know, big tobacco, alcohol, CPG... Um, These companies who are looking at the cannabis space and want to understand, one, the market a little bit better, and two, whether or not it's a good opportunity for them. So we do a lot of um, market analyses, competitor analyses, uh, helping them structure deals, as well as diligence and valuation. And the third thing that we've been doing a lot of, actually, is working with LPs. Doing valuations for the real estate capital assets uh, and really having uh, a value for their tangible assets, so that banks and financial institutions feel more comfortable lending um, uh, debt financing to them.
1: Awesome. I mean, so Ernst and Young, huge reputable accounting firm. When did they decide to get into cannabis? Was it as soon as uh, it was legal in Canada? Obviously, we're talking about you based, being based in Canada. Um, was it around legalization? Was it before that they started exploring it? Was it even earlier than that when it was legal medically?
0: Yeah. So I think our foray into the cannabis industry really started in 2017. Um, I'm actually originally from Vancouver and I went to a conference uh, where I heard this amazing uh, doctor speak. His name is Dr. Ethan Russo and he's a neurologist and psychopharmacology researcher. You know, one of the premier cannabinoid researchers in in the country or sorry in the world really um and i heard him talking about cannabis but it wasn't in a way that i had heard about Previously, he was talking about cannabinoids and terpenes and really talking about the molecular structure of the plant, as well as the fact that terpenes are plant oils that are found in other things in nature. And so I got really curious and started to look into the clinical side, the science side, as well as uh, where we were uh, with legalization. And so this was pre-legalization in Canada. Uh, I got into contact with a partner out in the Toronto office who had mentioned that uh, she had gone through all the hurdles and was got the green light to start a cannabis practice in Canada. And so I reached out to her and she brought me over to build the practice. Um, and so now we, you know, a couple years later, uh, post-legalization, um, I'm happy to say that I'm fully dedicated to the industry.
1: Awesome. And were you working uh, with Ernst & Young as, a, as an accountant before? And this was just a cool direction you saw or what's your own professional background here?
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I went to business school um, and I studied finance and operations. But while I was in EY in Vancouver, I was actually more in the IT group. Um, and it wasn't something that I found myself to be very good at. And I, I think I struggled in finding my passion. And after attending this conference, um, and truly it was for you know, business development purposes and getting to meet people in the industry, I realized that this was my calling and I had to figure out how to get myself to Toronto.
1: Amazing. So, I mean, shifting over to the work you actually do now with EY, how has it progressed since the, since the division got started? You know, it's only been a couple short years since 2017, but how has the practice grown? Where did it start and how have you seen it progress up until now?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think just being such a big firm um, and being a bit more conservative, I know that uh, legal and risk management weren't always so comfortable with the types of engagements that we were trying to do or the clients that we wanted to work with. And so uh, it was really about working really closely with them to figure out what their concerns were and trying to figure out where EY could play legally. And so we've kind of come to a place where we can work with companies who operate in federally legal jurisdictions. Um, And I mean, that's not just for cannabis, that could be for any type of illicit drug or any other type of product or service. And so I think that being the barometer and having cannabis legalization pass in Canada, it's been a lot easier to pick up steam and um, looking towards the States and Europe and those being the next two big markets to explode. I mean, the U.S. in, in more of an adult-use health and wellness aspect and in Europe in more of a medical aspect.
2: That's that's really cool. Can you elaborate a bit about your teammates and why a cannabis company would use would go with you guys uh, with EY versus uh, maybe someone, another consultant, who has more experience in the sector?
0: Sure. I, I think um, something that I've learned just meeting all these different people in the industry is that I think authenticity really matters. And mm-hmm. I think we're, as EY, humble enough to know that we don't know everything. I mean, truly, this is a brand new industry. There are analogies, obviously, with you know, uh, alcohol coming up prohibition, there's tobacco, there's... Uh, agriculture, manufacturing, all of the like, which we have deep experience in. But I think um, the fact that we're just always very open and honest and very collaborative in nature, I think resonates with our clients. And um, I mean, I I personally uh, build a very personal relationship with them. And so I think it it feels like we're invested with them and invested in the growth. And I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, definitely sounds like an important metric. And that's an interesting point, because you hear Ernst & Young, it's it's a big corporate name. It's Kind of daunting and scary, maybe, for some smaller entrepreneurs. Um, what kind of companies do you really cater to? Are they really the, the giant people, like the, the, these huge, you know, financially backed LPs, or is it um, somebody, some young new entrepreneur who might seek out your service as well?
0: Yeah, so I mean, EY is big in, in that we have a bunch of different services, but um, as an accounting firm, we can't also audit. Uh, clients that we advise. So there is that delineation between the types of companies that we want to advise with and and then also audit, as well as we do have a private client services uh, segment of our business where we do focus on the smaller LPs and, you know, the smaller private firms. So I would say really um, it's it's a wide spectrum of the publicly traded, you know, the big uh, finance backed as you, as you mentioned, and as well as down to the smaller companies that um, are licensed and you know working with, working within the legal framework um, and want to truly build a business.
1: Cool. I mean, that sounds amazing. So it sounds like it really could be for anybody. Can you maybe walk us through a little bit about what the process is like for a new company getting started up, looking to make sure that they have all their you know, T's crossed and, and I's dotted with you guys? Like How do you start the process with a brand new partner?
0: Yeah. So I think um, with any engagement, um, irrespective of the industry, we always look at the client itself, uh, the organization, what type of reputation it has, you know, and then looking into what jurisdiction they operate in, what's their business like, uh, looking to see which uh, management or key individuals are affiliated with the company, and then going into the types of work that they would like, um, looking at their investor deck to see how far along they actually are in the process and having a bit more... Um, conversations that way because I think there's lots of companies that think that their late stage applicants are you know very close to being licensed and um, that sometimes just isn't the case so uh, we need to make sure that we're comfortable with the risk that we're taking on as well as uh, the company is you know operating legally um, and 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 fits with our values as well Okay.
1: And I mean, without getting specific on any clients or anything, can you sort of give a bit of an assessment of the industry as a whole as to how you see entrepreneurs? You know, are most people, do they seem like they're well prepared for this? uh, Or do you see a lot of amateurs who are kind of in over their head?
0: I, I think you see a bit of both. The, the nice thing about this brand new industry is that there is a lot of opportunity. So I know that people from very different types of backgrounds can find the way in cannabis and really truly build a business. Um, I, I mean, I think that's really hard to say from our perspective, just because we do see a bunch of different types of companies in different stages of maturity. Um, I will say though that, you know, now that we're at 170 something licenses, I think it's harder and harder for companies to differentiate themselves. Um, I think at one point everyone had the biggest, you know, square footage for their facility, had the, you know, most amount of projected capacity, and it was all state of the art and proprietary. But um, you know, wading through all of that, I think it's really important to have a barometer of, uh, and really just sense check and have a risk assessment of what we know to be true about the industry and what. Um, potential clients or what other people are saying about the industry and just really checking our facts that way
1: definitely definitely and I mean looking into your crystal ball a bit you have uh, you know your finger to the pulse pretty pretty close uh, on the industry how do you see it growing from here you know nationwide it's it's legalized businesses are starting to roll in how do you see that it's you know if you have to guess at all or based on you know everything you're seeing how would you say that it might evolve from here
0: I, I think that the market in Canada really, truly evolving and growing in the way that we all hope is going to really depend on price, quality, and access. So right now, I think price isn't uh, commensurate with the illicit or the legacy market, which is making it difficult for people to switch over mm-hmm. um, if they're price conscious. Um, we know that quality perhaps isn't uh, where we would want quality to be just because a lot of these facilities are being dialed in and genetics do take a couple of cycles and, you know, uh, the company itself does have to go through some type of maturity to learn and, and you know, have incremental improvement. And so the quality, I think, needs to catch up as well. And you mentioned access. I think um, in Ontario specifically, we finally have retail access. And I think that's going to be conducive to a growing legal market and having consumers be a bit more comfortable walking into the store and you know, talking to someone about what types of products they want to purchase and learning a little bit more about cannabis. Um, and I think uh, the Ford government actually just came out with a statement to say that the, there will be more licenses issued and I think as the supply uh, or legal supply um, goes up and is able to make it to store shelves, I think there's a good chance that um, access will dramatically improve. Yeah,
1: I mean that's what we're all hoping for. It's uh... It's been a rocky start, I would say. Uh, We're based in Quebec, and and there are challenges here with the way it's been rolled out, too. But, uh, you know, I think uh, nothing is going to start perfect, and it's just a matter of uh, finding the right mix for everybody.
0: Yeah, and and I would say this as well, that six months into legalization i think i was seeing some reports about 20 to 30 percent of the illicit market being converted and being a country that never decriminalized and went straight to legalizing cannabis i think that's a big win and um the cannabis act in of itself when you look at the objectives it doesn't like one of the first tenants isn't uh for economic development it's really about safe and responsible access as well as um keeping cannabis out of the hands of youth and uh you know, preventing diversion to the illicit market. So I think when we, when we look at our regulations and how our act shaped up compared to other markets, I think it's a bit unfair just because um, there are a lot of other jurisdictions where economic development was one of their priorities. And so maybe um, their their laws and regulations are a bit more favorable and uh, more conducive to commercial um commercial interests. Um, But I think the Cannabis Act will have its uh, review time. And within 18 months of that review, um, we can start to see more relaxed regulations. And I think that's what we're hoping for, to evaluate what the unintended consequences were, to see what risks were actually realized, and then hopefully have a a framework that um, is conducive to supporting a legal market.
1: Yeah, Definitely. I think that's a pretty important insight. I mean, it's people's Reaction uh, it tends to be that they want something perfect from the get-go, but I think we have to recognize progress and give credit where it's due. Um, you know, a year ago we were nowhere close to here, and now it's uh, it's coming along. I, I, I personally, I'm optimistic uh, on it. You know, nothing ever started out so smoothly, and you know, you have to expect a few hiccups along the way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, lessons learned are going to be really important because not only is Canada one of the first G20 countries to legalize federally, um, I think there are a lot of other countries that are looking in and waiting to see how legalization fully rolls out here to then Perhaps develop a medical access framework, and then after that, perhaps you know, legalizing adult use or recreational cannabis. So I think um, slow and steady is the way that our government decided to go, and um, and hopefully uh, it, it's conducive to a, a thriving market in the future.
2: For sure, and and that's something that we've heard uh, just by speaking with other people is that people are looking at Canada as uh, as a model in terms of of rolling out um, nationally. I think you mentioned that you work with some international clients now as well. So can you speak to how they're looking at uh, the industry in Canada and what their reaction is compared to locally?
0: Yeah, I think Canada definitely set a high bar for quality standards with GPP. Um, Right now, all international exports do require a GMP facility, and that does start at trimming the buds. So um, I think uh, Canadian standards are definitely being strived to achieve and then also the amendments on top of that to be gmp compliant i think canada itself is a great cornerstone for legalization and you know developing a lot of intellectual property and knowledge that can then be scaled more quickly but i think a long term uh, the global market will have a huge opportunity um, that all these other companies are looking towards
2: that's what we we can only hope um, Ashley, can you? Is there a specific niche that you found your, yourself uh, offering services to within the sector?
0: Yeah, I think for myself and my team, a lot of it has been focused on the corporate governance aspect and um, helping companies become SOX compliant, um, and so, or, and that's the Sarbanes-Oxley Act that mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. or all companies have to um, comply with when they're listed on the Nasdaq or New York Stock Exchange. And I think that growth period is. Is huge. I think a lot of companies underestimate how much work it's going to take, and so sometimes they're not always uh, staffed up in that regard. So um, what I found is that we we've been very good at coming in and helping them develop these policies, help develop this rigor, and then you know let these clients focus on what matters, the bigger picture and the strategy versus you know daily operations and and the little minute details. So we can take care of that while they take care of the bigger things.
1: Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's it's really cool. And you mentioned a little bit at the beginning about, you know, uh, working for Ernst & Young, obviously a, a conservative company in certain ways. I was hoping we could touch on that a bit um, in general, like your feeling on the stigmatization or de now of cannabis, uh, obviously, you know, big issue for a lot of businesses, legality, everything like that, and just generally in, in culture. Um, it's a very stigmatized product. Um, how have you sort of seen this destigmatizing been approached so far since legalization?
0: I mean, I think you're right. I think there's still a large overhang from prohibition, the stigma is still very much attached to the industry. Um, but I'm very proud of who I am and the fact that I'm an enthusiast and the fact that I'm building a new business within EY. Um, I think a lot of people don't really know what to expect or don't know what to say when when I mention the fact that EY has a cannabis practice. I know, oh, by the way, I'm part of that. Um, I think a lot of it becomes you know making puns and asking me if you know there are samples and whatever else. And, and it made me realize that... That was know, our next you know, question. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it made me realize that you know i think there's a lot of and i mean internally externally i think there's a lot of people who don't truly understand the impact of legalization and what's mm-hmm. actually allowable so i really take this opportunity to prompt people to ask me about anything you know what what about my job what do i do um how, what are the challenges that i face what are the types of things that i get to do and really change people's minds and perceptions of what they thought the industry is and i think I, myself, I feel like I have a really big role in normalization and um, a big role to affect this change internally as well, however I can. Um, And so more often than not, I think people leave our conversations a bit more enlightened and a bit more informed. And, you know, I think that's really what's got to happen because legalization happened. And I think we have to make sure that we bring everyone along with us and not just people who um, are, you know, pro-cannabis.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as somebody who's on the front lines of normalization, as you are, um, has there been any specific challenges for yourself, uh, you know, either with socially, family, whatever, um, in in your pursuit of this?
0: Uh, No. Well, I mean, that's, I think it's a bit of both. Like, my parents, um were very conservative when I was growing up. And um I think now that they see me pursuing my passion and truly thriving in something I love, they've actually become more liberal in that respect. And they send me articles all the time about things that they're seeing uh, (laughs) um in cannabis in the news and like when the when some of those articles over the summer came out um that were a bit misreported and um, adding to the hype of crossing the U.S. border and all of the challenges mm-hmm. that were presented there, I think that's always going to be top of mind, but um, I think at the end of the day, if we arm ourselves with like, the things that could go wrong, it makes for a better outcome, and, um, and so far I haven't really had any trouble um, in my professional life anyway.
1: That's great. I mean, that's that's what we can all hope for with, uh, you know, with older generations, more conservative-minded people, is to, similarly to, to how Canada is doing it rolling out. You know, it's one step at a time, one, one piece at a time. Um, it's a slow and natural progression.
0: Definitely. And I think... You know, my parents probably would never smoke a joint in their life, but, you know, when we talk about edibles and topicals and other consumption formats that they're more comfortable with, I think that's going to also help grow the market and include people who, you know, maybe had never known how to roll a joint or maybe aren't comfortable inhaling carcinogens in their lungs. So um, I think this next phase of legalization will be really important as well.
2: That's right. It's, it's just bringing, uh, bringing the conversation um, forward. Can you elaborate a bit on how the cannabis practice within EY has shaped the rest of the organization?
0: Certainly. Um, I think a lot of the concern really comes from the fact that, you know, Canada, again, is one of two, three, four countries that have now legalized. And so our reality of, you know, going to retail location, purchasing cannabis and consuming it, you know, in public, but that's not a thing that people can do everywhere. So I think there's still that... Um, stigma attached to it and i think as we grow our practice it's become more global we actually cross team a lot more with you know, our counterparts in different countries mm-hmm. and so i think that's actually become so important for us to grow because um we have such an extensive knowledge network of people who have expertise in all these different areas that maybe sometimes just need that Bit of a cannabis angle, and I think that's what I really bring to the table, and what my team brings to the table. So, actually, I've been on all these international engagements because um, it's a function of us being able to find each other and collaborate, and really, um, and have and bring the best team to the client for sure.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That actually touched a bit on what I wanted to to ask about next. It's 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 really cool listening to this because you, you know, you work for a very established firm. It's sort of an old school industry in a way, but you're doing something very new school. Um, I wanted to ask a bit about you know how your 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 day to day job is. How hands on is it with is it uh, you know it, it, it's a really cool um, angle for people to to get into the industry in a certain way. Someone who is you know studying to be an accountant can now be involved in this. Um, Can you touch on your day-to-day work a bit?
0: Certainly, so I think with every additional client we have, um, I like to truly understand their operations. so if they're a cultivator, I like to go to the facility and just do the tour from seed to sale to see everything and how it works, um, if they're a processor, same thing, understanding the equipment that they have, their throughput, you know what type of thought um, operators and managers had before they made all these design decisions because I think that's fascinating as well um, and then from there, uh, I really like to be hands on and in person, so all of our meetings will be in person. I'll come to the client no matter what, even if they're three hours away, Um, because I think it's really important to build that type of relationship. And then from there, you know, whenever there's something that they need, they know that they can call me and, and, and I think that's really what's made a lasting impression um, for EY on the industry is just um, really, truly seeing these companies as entrepreneurs who need help in any other way that any other company would. And being able to break down those barriers, for especially when it comes to knowledge and um, have our clients invite us in and take us on a tour and you know, show everything about their facility that they're proud of, I think um, really helps inform the way that we can work with them.
2: Amazing. I mean, I want to do business with you after after hearing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh,
2: is there one customer or uh, project that you worked on that you're most proud of or that you saw as a milestone?
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, without getting into specifics, I think it's really just being able to go beyond the Canadian borders and travel to other countries and do the same things that we do here, just, you know, in a different context, Mm -hmm. Um, and just having the support of management and risk management and legal, um, which, you know, before Canada legalized, I think was a harder sell. But I I think the fact that whenever we're pre qualifying candidates now or potential clients now, being able to pinpoint exactly what their operations is and understand what value we can bring. And that makes a stronger business case for sure. But um, it's been nice to see the firm rally around us, actually. Um, and I think when I boarded my plane to Columbia for the first time, it was just a stark realization that we've come so far. And I'm just very proud of all the work that we've done.
1: That's very cool. and We'll definitely have to have you back sometime to hear about that trip to (laughs) Colombia.
0: Thank you very much.
1: For sure. But uh, for now, I mean, this has been really, really cool and really informative. Can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit more about where they can find some information? Obviously, everyone knows how to look up EY, but a little bit more about your cannabis service.
0: Yeah, so um, if you Google EY Canada Cannabis, we actually have a whole microsite um, dedicated to the content that we publish, thought leadership, interviews, um, some interviews that we've done in the media, as well as with industry stakeholders. Um, So I would definitely recommend checking that out.
1: Definitely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, allowing me to tell our story, because I think it's really important. And I think there's so many different stakeholders that make their way into the industry, and and they just all seem to fit. And I, that's what I like about cannabis. It's that it, people from all different walks of life can find a place here.
1: Yeah, we couldn't agree more. That's that's what drove us to, to do the podcast. And that's the kind of people we love talking to. Great.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Take care.